Welcome to the Inside Podcast with Mike and Scotty bringing that sexy swagger to the BDL airwaves. We are back again and we are happy to be here. A great show planned today. I think um, I'm going to take a look at some uh, some some league-altering trades that have happened here over the last few days in the BDL uh, some some really wicked news there as it pertains specifically to I think one of uh, what pri- uh, previously was one of the uh, stronger contenders for a BDL championship this year the Amish Brotherhood that is no longer the case with that club they have sold out yet again we're going to talk about that and uh, in the uh, longer segment of our show today uh, Matt of the Carolina Cardinals former BDL champion and draft prospect expert joins the show uh, to discuss the 2021 BDL draft. So uh, buckle up. It's a good show. You're going to enjoy it. But first, it's time again to rock. Once again, you are inside with Mike and Scotty. Mike, my brother, how are you? I'm doing good, buddy. How are you? I am starting to warm up. We're, we're, we're getting some mid-60s uh, days here in good old VA, and uh, I'm, I'm lo- looking forward to sunshine soon. Real, actual sunshine, <laughs> not fake sunshine. That's all right. The same up here. Things are starting to melt away now, so we should be in spring weather pretty soon. Cool. Hey guys, just in a few moments, we are going to dive deep into a draft conversation with uh, Matt of the Cardinals. Looking forward to that. It's really cool. Uh, You'll enjoy it. But yeah, first we've had a couple really newsy kind of headline trades in the BDL uh, over the last few days, last week or so. Um, uh, Mike, and and I guess we'll just lead off with one that you are involved with uh, there with the Boston Double Downs and the Rockland Rockets. So, yeah, that, that um, trade kind of came out of nowhere, Scotty. Uh, honestly, I had made an offer uh, on on one of Joe's guys, uh, specifically uh, Mr. Arenado. I would made an offer on that, and Joe was taking his usual sweet-ass sweet time going through offers to figure out what he's going <laughs> to do. And it was like lunch one day, and I got I got an offer from Kevin. It's basically uh, Springer for Kirloff and Patino, who's a picture that I got back from you in our last trade. And it was just one of these things with a comment, like, I'm thinking of moving Springer. Does this make sense for you? And again, this wasn't a guy that I actively targeted just because I didn't think there'd be any interest in Kevin moving him. And I looked at the trade, thought about it. I'm like, this actually makes a lot of sense. And Kevin and I historically are really good on trade value. When we make trades, they usually go through really quickly. When I make him offers, it's usually one counter and done, and it's the same way the other way around. We both have a pretty good feel for what guys are valued. Uh, we don't make low ball offers to each other, so trades tend to get done really quickly. And I sat on his offer for maybe a half hour. Um, I actually bounced it off Steven because we just happened to be talking because we, we are coworkers. And I'm like, this this makes a lot of sense. Uh, so the first thing I did is pulled back the offer I made Joe because it wouldn't have made any more made sense to get both of the guys really, and and I made that one, and uh, yeah no I'm pretty happy with it. I think it's gonna work out really well for Kevin. I really like Alex Kirilov. He's one of those few prospects that I actually held for a long time, as you know from my history. That does not mm-hmm. happen a lot. Uh, right. And he he had just made his debut in the playoffs last year, and it looks like he's gonna be a starter for them come the beginning of the season you know as a talent i really like him but it was really hard to not take george springer uh particularly with the jays probably not playing in toronto this year looks like they're going to be playing in a minor league park again for at least most of the year and i can only imagine what his number is going to look like in that lineup playing in a small ballpark so it was a trade i had to make yeah and I, I know it fits 
kind of where you are right now and what you needed to do for this season. Um, I think it was a good value trade. Uh, I, I really, you know, long range. Uh, I really like, and, and, and this is not to say, I, I, I mean, you know, if you've got to have an opportunity to acquire a player like George Springer and, uh, at, at, you know, at, at his still in the relative prime of his career, 31, 30, 31 years old, I believe, you know, most of the time you have to do it. Um, I think projecting out Kevin, Kevin also made out really well. He really uh, did. I like both of those players. You're welcome on Patino. Um, yep. I like both of those players really well. Uh, and, uh, and I, I think he's going to be uh, very happy with, with the trajectory uh, uh, of that as, as time moves on. So yeah, I think so. Uh, good, 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 good swap for both sides. I thought so. On the flip side of that, um, we have to ask the question um, as we tend to do in this league every three or four seasons. Um, so <laughs> Joe, yeah, it's, you know, you're, you're out again. <laughs> this is the thing I don't understand about Joe. Like Joe made the final last year, right? Did I not play him in the finals? I thought I think I did, you did, right? Like, yes, I, you I, did. I've never seen someone <laughs> build for so long, get almost to the mountaintop and then decide to jump off the mountain as much as Joe does. <laughs> and like I just I and again on paper this trade is is pretty reasonable like as far as valuation goes I, I I get the value here would I have done it no but he got back a lot of really good prospects and a couple of draft picks as well the uh, yes the, I, the, I just the, don't understand the move as in why are you selling these guys now the value I, I think is is largely fine. Um, yeah. it, it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't, it's it doesn't an look package. Let's put it that way. It's, no, no, it, it, it's, it, 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 it's sort of similar to, to a, to a pack. I, I would probably would have broken up, would have broken up the major league pieces a little more. Yeah. Maybe, maybe turn, maybe turn that into two trades or so instead of one large trade. Yeah. Um, uh, but it, it you know, just, just value wise, it, it kind of resembles something I might have done, you know, seven or eight years ago during one of my rebuilds. But um, I, I, I don't know. I think he was early to pull the trigger on this. Um, I think the Amish Brotherhood stood to uh, still compete for a championship uh, for at least, a, you know, a short amount of time, you know, another season or two without without a whole lot of retooling. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I think he... Uh, I think he might have uh, pulled the trigger too soon on that. Yeah, I think he might have. And but again, it, it, it's it's classic Joe. This it, it's funny because when he put these guys on the block, I was talking to Stephen about this, and he, he, because I'm pretty sure he made an offer on 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 them as well. And he's like, I, at that point, I don't think he kind of understood why make the move. And my response is, that's just Joe. This is this is <laughs> this is just what he does. Every yeah. every three or four years, he gets bored with this roster. And he decides it's time to sell these guys off. Now, granted, the counterpoint could be that Trevor Bauer's value will never be higher than it is right now. I could certainly make, I could certainly make that argument. This is a guy true. who historically has been a four ERA guy most years, coming off a year where he looked like, you know, geez, he, 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 he was basically Pedro Martinez last year. And the yeah. odds of him doing that again are probably not really good. So I get why you would want to move him. And perhaps there's fear of Arenado leaving Colorado. So I, I, you know, so, you know, the motivation of moving those two guys, I kind of understand it. I just, I don't get moving them for an all prospect package of guys that aren't going to help you for a long time. That's, that's mm-hmm. what I don't get. As well, opposed that's, that's... to what Kevin did with Springer, for instance, where he, he traded off one of his stars, but he got two guys that are both high ranking prospects that are both going to be in, you know, one that will start, you know, for the Twins in a really good lineup this year, and Pitino that's probably going to start, you know, with Tampa Bay this year. Like, it just seems like a, a, a strange move to move those two stars for a bunch of lottery tickets that you're not going to cash in on for a number of years. Mm-hmm. 
let's 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 sort of recap this this trade because it's it's a large trade. It is. Let's recap it in, in a little more detail because we can't overlook the impact here on the uh, other club involved, the Crawford Cramps. Mm. Uh, but um, the Amish Brotherhood sent uh, Nolan Arenado. Renata, thank you. Uh, Trevor oh. Bauer, <laughs> Kyle, Kyle Schwarber, um, uh, three good pieces. Uh, and, and in return, the Cramps sent uh, Zach Fien, Riley Green. Uh, is it Asa Lacey? I think so. Uh, Nick Gonzalez and uh, and this uh, reliever who sounds like who could have grown up down the road for me here in the mountains of Virginia, Shane McClanahan. Where did he go to college? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, or if did he may not have gone to college, but I'm not sure. I was gonna make a southern okay. joke, but I'm not gonna do that. I'm a nice guy. Yeah, well, you 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 can because that is a very uh, he is 23, we have... and he went to the University of South Florida. Uh, okay, well, not not nearby, but still yeah. southern. Yeah. But yeah, that that's a very um, my, my neck of the woods kind of name. Anyway, uh, and there there were picks involved. Um, what, two two two, two additional first rounders. First -rounders? Yeah, two first -rounders. yeah, I think so. Quite, quite a substantial, quite a substantial package. Yeah. Um, really, I would say I'm trying to think of a bigger trade, more impactful trade that we have seen in the last 12 months. Nothing is really coming to mind. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't think so. But certainly vaults the Crawford cramps into, at the very least, the conversation um, in, in the playoffs this year uh, to potentially be positioned um, to to compete for a championship. Uh, I would have to, I would have to do a little more of a little more of a study on on the construction of that roster to uh, really have a strong opinion on on that and, and their standing now. But but certainly when you inject that kind of major league ready talent onto your roster and no no matter the circumstances, you know it it, it changes the changes the complexion not only of your club but your division immediately. Um, so that's uh, yeah, some 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 league shifting, uh, I think maneuvering going on here, and it's been a very active uh, late winter um, period in the BDL so far, and uh, I, I don't think that we are, I don't think that we're done. Uh, the generals have been have been active as well. Of course, the Rockets have, as the Rockets always are, um, but. You know, just looking up and down the trade sheet, we've seen we've seen a lot of action. North Carolina made a couple of big moves in there. Uh, yeah, the Carolina, I think Carolina made a move. Like it's, yeah, it, it, uh, the, it's, the 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 beers have made some substantial moves as yes, well. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. And the beers, yeah. I think, if not if not the favorites, were certainly up in the top two or three. And I think this is kind of cramps the cramps answer to that. This is them saying, you know, don't forget about us down here in Crawford. Yeah. Uh, and right. what's what's really interesting about that trade is um, uh, talking. You know, we we had a conversation with Brian a couple of weeks back, and I remember asking him specifically about his old Cramps teams always had an ace or two at the top of the lineup. Uh, mm -hmm. and, you know, beyond that, so so he was basically heavy closer. You know, a couple of aces, and then and then you know, for five or six other starters that were fine. And one of the holes in this team, you know, his current roster was there wasn't that top end starting pitcher. And I think he certainly filled that hole, which also tells me I got to stop giving guys ideas. This is, this is horrible. <laughs> uh, but uh, if you look at his lineup right now, he has the third, the fourth and the fifth ranked player on CBS. Uh, Tatis, Trump, that, and Soto are three, four, five. So that's, that's, that's nuts. It's pretty that's good. Nuts. It's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Sure. Sure is. Sure is. Yeah. No, no surprise though. It, it's Crawford. They, they're, yeah. they, they're they're up and down, but they're always uh, 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 up quicker than than you expect. So yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. So guys, uh, we're about to dive into some uh, 2021 BDL draft uh, discussion, analyze uh, the winners, losers, um, value picks. Uh, take a little bit of a historical look too at some some prior years and just uh, poke fun and uh, and those sorts of things. So it, it was a it was a good time with Matt of the Cardinals on the show today, and we're going to throw it to Matt now.
right, guys. Welcome to our draft review show. We brought on the heavy-hitting expert for drafting, for prospects, and for all that jazz in the BDL, Mr. Matt of the Carolina Cardinals. Matt, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me, Scotty. It's it's truly an honor to guest on the BDL's number one podcast. <laughs> Have we released the ratings yet, Mike, for... I don't. I, mean, think, I don't think we have. Like the numbers came in so high that we really don't want to brag. You know, we called the other podcasts on this uh, <laughs> in our league feel bad. So you know, I think through the I think through the first three episodes, we're averaging a whopping six viewers. That's pretty big. <laughs> now, considering there's been three people on each of those shows, <laughs> you probably listen to it. So we're like get three views. This is not. Uh, this is not good. But now that we have Matt, we have a true star on this show. I think, true star. True star. I, I think We're we go- might get to seven. We might get to seven. Yeah. Let's see. We are just missing. Uh, if we would have brought on the, what, 2018 um, champion. My gosh, who was that? Chris. Was it Chris? Chris. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Chris. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, the forgettable beers. Yes, we if we would have brought Chris on. <laughs> we try to forget about that. If we, we 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 would have we would have the last four champions on this show. We should have thought about that a little harder. But oh yeah, well, we probably should have. Well, that's all right. Oh well, yeah. But okay, we don't need we don't need to hear from Chris. No, we really don't. Uh, but but no, uh, Matt. Uh, Matt, we appreciate you uh, j- uh, taking uh, time out of your busy schedule to join us. Uh, of course, we're fortunate to have such a great competitor, such as yourself, in the BDL. Uh, someone as knowledgeable uh, with prospects, top to bottom in minor league baseball as you are. So we're really uh, excited to dig into this draft. Oh, it's my pleasure, Scotty. Yeah, it's a, it's a great group in this league. You know, I was really impressed, and I think we talked, uh, Mike, a little bit about this on the last show, um, you know, how we accidentally uh, did away with the draft clock this year, and it, it worked swimmingly. I mean, it was actually a really pleasant draft. Um, you know, no one took 24, 36 hours to make a pick <laughs> even nice. after we got going. And, and I, you know, uh, I, I thought it, I, I thought it was a, a good draft. Yeah. Hopefully we can keep to this in future years and it won't be necessary. Hopefully, hopefully we have, we have a good group of guys now, but on to the headline of the show. So just general overall draft impressions, uh, Matt, maybe just maybe just kick things off by giving us your impression of um, what the overall, um, I guess, value of this draft was in baseball, Um, you know, top to bottom. How do you feel this ranks this class draft class among say the last 10 years or so of, of drafts? Boy, this might be the more, the most mysterious one of these drafts we'll ever have just based on the lack of not only pro data, but, meaningful amateur data. Uh, the season yeah. was canceled for the college players before they even got to conference play. So there's really, you're either, you're picking blind or you're picking more just based off of the scouting and tools information more so than ever before. So this could take a while to shake out, I think even more so than a typical draft of amateurs. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And I saw, of course, the headline, um, I guess that was in the last couple of days or so. Heck, it might have been uh, might have been a Baseball America tweet, for all I know. Um, that um, uh, AAA, uh, I guess, um, uh, is is delaying the start of the 2021 season at least a at least a month. Did I understand that right? Yep, I think yeah. It's the the big issue is you have these players who are going to be in AAA and then going into big league clubhouses, so that they have this right. is- issue with you know containing virus in that reality. So that's one of the main reasons. Right. Right. Hey Matt, yeah. Yeah. It seems more likely to keep their top prospects up in taxi squads for that reason, just so they can get more exposure to big league coaching. Do you think? Uh, presumably? Yes. I think we're seeing that a little bit with more prospects in big league camp just in general. So I, I would say yes. Well, just in terms of the, the, the impact to the BDL this year, let, let's look specifically at, at this draft. Um, 
I guess let's just go around the room uh, just to get things started and, and, and talk about talk a little bit about which team in the BDL or teams had the best overall draft. I don't know if, if anybody wants to volunteer to kind of kick things off. Um, you know, I, I kind of I kind of feel like usually um, d- depending on placement in in the draft. I, I know looking back, you know, for for me personally for the generals. Um, I, I am normally a, an all-in or all-out guy um, in fantasy when it comes to the uh, the prospect draft. Um, you know, if I am competing for a playoff spot, uh, making a, a hard title run, typically I am sold out of that draft. I, I have moved at least you know my my first, second, and third round picks. Um, uh, you know, for, for value at the major league level to fill holes in my squad, shore up weaknesses and, and those things. But if I'm in a rebuilding state or a reloading state, um, it, you know, you, you can look back, Mike, uh, what was it, Mike, the, maybe the 20, 2011, 2012 draft. This one comes to mind. I think maybe I had seven or eight first round picks. Yeah, that's, that sounds like that. right. I want to say that was 12, but I can quickly look that up. But yeah, I remember, yeah, it was 12. You had picks one, two, four, five, six, and seven. Wow. Holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> How'd you do in retrospect? Uh, pick pick one was Anthony Rendon. Pick two was Trevor Bauer. Uh, pick four was Dylan Bundy, then Archie Bradley, Bubba Starling, so jo- and Josh Bell. So basically, he started off great, and then he kind of fell off uh, <laughs> off a cliff. Uh, Gary Cole. Uh, uh, the, 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 the elusive Bubba general? Starling. Yeah. <laughs> are those players still generals, by the way? Any of those guys? Uh, um, they uh, see, I, I still have, in spirit. Uh, <laughs> did, 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 did you say that was, um, did you say Rendon? Rendon. Mike? Yeah. Bauer was two. Then Bundy, Bradley, Starling, Bell were your picks. Yeah. So I, I of course I, I have Rendon. Um, I have rostered him for, I guess maybe three or four seasons now. I, all of those prospects I moved at one, at one point. And, and honestly, <laughs> a lot of them, I don't think it took too long. It might've been a few months, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, yeah. Uh, Rendon came back to the club. Mike, that might've been from you. Uh, uh, I, I don't remember. I think so I don't, I, I make so many trades that it's kind of hard to keep yeah, track. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but uh, yeah. And I, I may, I might have one other draft like that. I think in the, in the history of the general's drafts, but it, you know, if I'm rebuilding, I'm, I'm sort of all in, in that way. And if I'm not, it's the opposite. But anyway, I'm, very long winded point here, you know, generally speaking, as long as your placement is strategic, you know, you, you are at least weighted toward the top end of the draft. You know, I I think it's hard to argue that argue against that, you know, those who stack picks and kind of spread that risk around uh, a little bit kind of usually come out better, you know, come out on the better end. Uh, And this is a very small, obviously slice of, of the, of, of context uh, looking back just specifically at that 2012 draft uh, for the generals. But you know, that, 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 that piece of that strategy um, in, in a small part eventually led to two titles for the generals. So, um, you know, I, I think, I think it is worthwhile to look at those things. So when I look at this specific draft, you know, I see, you know, that club, um, that club is probably the Crawford cramps. Yep. Um, and I, you know, I, I don't know how, you know, it, it's pretty difficult to me to argue against that line of thinking. Um, the killer cars, you know, they had multiple uh, picks in round one. I think the damage did as well, although they were, they were lower. Um, but, uh, so for me personally, you know, I, I think I would probably lean toward the cramps for, for that answer. Yeah. For me, um, the Amish stand out. You know, he had the first and the 15th pick and was able to get the top draft prospect and the top international prospect. Uh, the draft prospect being Spencer Torkelson from Joe's favorite college program. And the second being uh, Christian Hernandez, who I believe is a Venezuelan shortstop, who uh, we view, who Baseball America views as having the highest ceiling in this international free agent class. So I think when you start your draft with those two and then you meld in you know, we talked about the cramps draft, but a lot of those guys now became Amish draftees via the recent <laughs> trade that we saw. So I, I, I believe, I believe Joe added Zach Veen, Asa Lacey and Nick Gonzalez in that trade. 
Yeah, I think he got all three of those guys. He got picks four, five, and six. So yeah, so he you had that had the best draft since he had both of the best drafts. Yeah, you had one, four, five, six, and fifteen. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, I'd agree with Scotty that you know when when you have pick four, five, and six, like the odds of you hitting on one or two of those guys is is pretty good. Like we even pick one if we go back in time through BDL history. Like everyone thinks pick one is a surefire thing. And again, if it's, oh, no. yeah. if it's you know, if it's Bryce Harper, it is. But I'm sure if I click back into prior drafts and I just pick random year, there's going to be situation after situation where pick one is not the guy that would be pick one yeah. if, we, if we redraft it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't mind to go down few, at, at, through a few of those just, just out of sheer curiosity. Maybe we'll have time to do that as we're clicking along in the, in the draft or in, in the show here, um, uh, uh, Mike. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think that's, you know, kind of what you said you, hits, on a, hits on a key there is that, you know, this is such a total crapshoot. Um, and, you know, we, we can, you know, lean on data and you know, look at those scouting reports and, and and make the best judgment that we can. But e- even you know the most toolsy of prospects, um, you know, they're, they're they're never sure things. No one is a sure thing, um, and, and some rise from out of nowhere. Uh, you know, you have your Mike Trout's. Um, so I you know I just I don't know from from my point of view. I think the more you can spread that you know, spread that risk around in, in what you are investing in when it comes to the draft. Um, you know, you, you're more than likely to hit on something. Uh, you know, if, if you, if you are all in on that number one or number two pick, um, and, and you have invested, uh, you know, a hundred cents of a hundred cents into that, into that pick. And that is what you're kind of hinging your next, you know, your, your next five-year plan on, um, I, I don't know that that's 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 really that's really full foolhardy to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you did mention the damage in passing. I think this is also a draft class that stands out to me uh, by virtue of those first round picks. When you're adding a a power high school hitter like Austin Hendrick, um, a standout college hitter like Austin Wells, I think those are two very wise picks where they were taken. Then you throw on top of that, you have Pete Crow Armstrong, you have Nick York a good pure hitter. Um, Bobby Miller is a, kind of a more of a pop-up arm, but he, he has the potential to deliver uh, rotation value. You just look at how the Dodgers track record in the first round. I mean, they pick in the back of the first round every year and they, they're coming up with major league regulars. So I like that pick. And of course, uh, Ha Sung Kim, the Korean shortstop, who's 25, uh, good power, plays up the middle. I, I like that pick as well. This is a, here, here's a neat little connection. Um, the Amish also had the number one overall pick, and I, I don't have the number in front of me here to, to tell you if this was ha- how many times uh, they have had the number one pick, but they did have the number one pick also in 2009. Uh, that choice was Pedro Alvarez, Pittsburgh. Yeah, that mm. one didn't work out as well. <laughs> was that the year that actually the number one pick expired and he picked second? I remember mm. we had it even then. <laughs> Wow. I think it was. The, oh my gosh, you're right. Right. You, you, yes, I'm looking at that now. No, I, no, I'm, I am wrong. That was the number. He had the number two pick. Because I remember the, being so excited about I got the number one pick now, and mm-hmm. him going on about Pedro Alvarez like this guy's because you know was going to be the next Miggy Cabrera. Uh, suffice it to say that didn't work out as planned. That um, that that shift that shifted the entire draft. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, suffice it to say um, that owner is no longer in our midst. Yeah. But, uh, I got to hear more about that. that. That could be its own podcast, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and, and the the following year, uh, the number one overall pick, Crawford Cramps, um, Steven Strasburg. That one worked out a little better. Worked That'll out do. okay. That'll do. Work, worked out okay. Maybe maybe we'll we'll pepper a few more of those in along the way here. But uh, <laughs> any, any more thoughts on on overall best team draft? Yeah, there was a, a couple other drafts I liked. You know, I don't put them in the same orbit as these other ones, but uh, the Vipers I thought did really well. You know, it's going with pitchers is risky, but I think the pitchers that the Vipers identified are among my favorites. I mean, Max Meyer and Reed Detmers in particular, I think are both talented Mm -hmm. and fast risers. So I think that's, that's what you're really shooting for when you're taking a a pitcher in my opinion. And um, 
uh, Slade Ciccone and Jared Schuster were taken later. I think those are reasonable picks. I mean, you have to weigh that relative to who else was available. I don't actually have that up right now, but I do like those guys just in a vacuum. And um, I like the check strap as well. Just a good variety of position targets, um, including Heston Kerstad, um, Ed Howard, Wilman Diaz, Jordan Westberg. Those, those are good darts to throw. You know, it doesn't have the certainty, the perceived certainty of some of these other groups, but I like the direction. Well, I know from as from as often as I heard from from Zach of the Chicks uh, throughout the draft, he he is very happy with his draft. For sure. Good. Yeah. Has anyone come out of a draft unhappy with their picks though? <laughs> Um, probably at some point, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> that is the thing. It's like you, you leave the draft. Oh, look at all these players I got. I got so much better. But so did everybody else. Yeah. Um, moving along here. I'm sorry. Kind of doing a little historical, uh, uh flashback as we're, as we're moving along, but it's kind of fun. Um, this was a remarkable draft. 2010, um, again, back to back years, the Strasburg, Strasburg, Bryce Harper. That was the year Bryce Harper went number one overall, 2011. Um, this might be a record. The Generals had eight first-round draft picks in the 20, uh, 2011 draft. Eight. Uh, crazy. Starting with the number three, let's see, three, four, and five. And that would be Manny Mikado. That one worked out. Zach Cox uh, not as well. <laughs> Zach Cox not as well. Chris Sale. <laughs> Okay, Chris Sale. Yeah, nice. live with that one, right? Uh, moving on down, uh, Zach Lee. Man, he gets ugly fast, man. Uh, no, AJ that... Cole. Yep. Man. <laughs> Stetson Ali. Uh, and, uh, Josh Sale. <laughs> Anthony Renato. Oh my, this Anthony Renato. Is... <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the the key thing is all those guys got paid in the draft, but that was a weaker draft, MLB draft, yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. But this, you know, but but again, this kind of just speaks to the whole coin toss element of this draft. Like, I'm sure if you would have talked talked to Scotty the day after that draft, he would have just told you how excited he was about each and every one of these guys. And you know, when you look back now and you see, you know, AJ Cole is what you know he was with the Jays yesterday. Last year's a middle reliever. I don't know where he is now. Stetson Ali. Then he like convert to a hitter because he couldn't pitch. If <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Uh, Josh Josh Sales bagging groceries somewhere right now. I think like it's... do you remember Josh Sale was the guy who threw change at the stripper? Yeah. Change? Yeah. What, what the hell kind of signing he, bonus did he get? He was. Yeah, look, Google his name seriously. He's got some. He's got some makeup. Wow. He's got some makeup issues. Makeup issues. Yeah, you ain't kidding. <laughs> and he was like a. a like from a bodybuilding family, so he was kind of a, uh, uh, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, that that is the the danger. Like you get you get fixated on the bonuses and think that it's a straight path to the majors, but as as right. we've illustrated, not always the case. Well, m- moving right along, then Matt, why don't you maybe take us through, if you don't mind, um, your your particular uh view here on the best value picks per round starting with with round one going to round five okay yeah i just highlighted a a player in each round here who quote unquote fell in the draft um Mm -hmm. so in the first round at 13 overall uh, the double downs took robert hassel the high school outfielder from tennessee um i really like him i think there's some there's a good chance of getting batting average and staying in center field power might develop. You know, he's a little, little thin. There's some questions on the power, but I think overall where he got him, that's a, that's a gamble I would take. Um, round two, I really liked the second pick in the round by the lions, uh, Tyler Soderstrom catcher from uh, NorCal. He, um, I think he's going to move off catcher, but I think the bat is definitely going to carry him to the major leagues. I would think something like, like Will Myers was drafted as a catcher and then uh-huh. moved, moved off the position, became an impact uh, corner player. I think Soderstrom is cut from that same cloth. In round three, um, I would look at a couple of SEC pitchers. One of them is my guy, JT Ginn, at 36 overall. Uh, the Chicks also had um, Cole Wilcox, 
out of Georgia at 43. I think if you're looking for upside, circa pick 40, I like those those picks there. You know, you're you're past the point of really you're not as concerned about pitcher risk at this point because it's just a third round pick. So I like those two. Um, round four, a couple I would highlight here would be the damage at 52 overall. Got Nick York, a very unusual MLB first rounder as a right-handed hitting high school second baseman. <laughs> mm-hmm. That happens so rare that I don't think I could find an example of that happening previously. But you know his bat's real; he can hit for average. Everything else is kind of to be determined, but that's a good starting point, a good building block. And uh, pick 59, Jordan Westberg, a Mississippi State shortstop. Hit well in the cape with wood. Got some power, some speed. You know, the questions you would typically have associated with a pick this low are there, but I think I think the tools, I, li- I do like the tools there, so I like him. Then it's kind of a prospect wasteland in the fifth round. So I would look at just, I liked your pick, Scotty, of uh, Matt Moore at 78. Just a good dark throw coming back from Japan. And um, the Bay Beers at 74. Yimi Garcia is a worthwhile dart to throw at a closer. Had some saves. But this is the prospect wasteland, so whatever. Well, and, and, uh, and that's, you know, typically what, what the fifth round normally, you know, becomes in, in our draft is sort of those those dice rolls um dice roll picks and uh you know i I think your your most of your value uh your your good value comes in in rounds one through three every year and you've got you know some deeper picks in round four where really the draft can be won or lost for for different different clubs i think but yeah yeah those those round five picks uh sometimes they pay off Uh, other times remember where mike drug got drafted scotty in in our draft yeah I don't. Round five. What? Wow. Yep. And, wow. He was, and he was immediately traded for, and I could be wrong on this, but I thought it was Tim Wakefield. Let's see. He was <laughs> traded. He was traded to the Bulldogs, correct? I think oh, I, can, I can't remember that, but I think, geez, I want to say it was the epidemic, which is Matt's current team, is it not? <laughs> that, uh, that traded away. Him, that traded him like a couple days later. I I, I want to say it was for Tim Wakefield. I could be wrong on that, but I believe that's what it was. Wow, Tim Tim Wakefield, and I I wish I wish we had Brent on to discuss this because he he has personal uh, he has personal personal oops stories um, in in this in this regard. But Tim Wakefield has been included in some of the worst trades in BDL history. Mm-hmm. The worst trades. We, we we need to do a deep dive on that for one show, uh, Mike, because it's it's very it's comical. Um, but uh, no, I, I didn't realize that uh, that Trout was traded that quickly. Yeah, after believe, being drafted. I believe it was right after the draft. I'm trying to look it up now, but it, this is going back a while. Okay, well, we'll maybe we'll find. We that can eventually. move on to the next topic, though, and and I shall bring it. Sure. Up yeah. Need a BDL we'll draft database is what we need here. We used to have one. Yeah. Uh-huh. We used to have one. Um, so kind of along those, uh, along that, or the other side of that coin, rather, Matt. Um, head scratchers. What are the biggest head scratchers in this draft that you see? I think there, there's so much information out there now to help guide managers, you know, dynasty yeah. managers in this process. It's hard to make like such a off the off the wall pick that it would be a bad you know quote unquote consensus yeah. pick. In the past, that tended to be Joe. Joe used to draft a bunch <laughs> of sixteen year old guys no one had ever heard of, but that's that's changed. In the past, I don't know, four or five years, there's a lot more focus on the international guys. Where in the past, that was kind mm-hmm. of Joe's thing, where he, he would draft a bunch of sixteen year olds. Uh, they'd all flame out and he'd drop them a year later. And then five <laughs> years after that, someone would pick up one of those guys as a free agent and he would turn that's, into a star. That's a great I point. Think that's one of the problems with, like, we, we, if you're an MLB team and you're signing some 16-year-old kid, you can keep him in your organization for all yeah. those years. We, we, we don't have a limitless minor league, despite Johnny's hope for that. <laughs> um, and, and because of that, like, when, 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 you're, when you're drafting a kid at 16, you're not going to see stats, you know, for two or three years on the right. guys half of the time, and it's really hard to hold on to these process, you know, 
uh, yep. guy for, for that many years when you literally have no information because you're going to fall in love with some other 16-year-old guy that just got signed the next year and you're probably going to drop the guy that you picked 12 months earlier. Yeah. The way I like to think about it this way, like a major league organization has 150 minor league roster spots, give or take. We have 20. We have 20. You know, you have to choose wisely. Um, Don't give Johnny any ideas about going to 150, by the way. <laughs> uh, okay. I'm just trying to find that Mike Trout thing now. When was he drafted, anyways? What, 09. Like, yeah, that 09 draft is rich because you have yeah. Strasburg up top, Trout at the back of the round. And I just want to Goldschmidt. My Goldschmidt is, thought is right. And Paul Goldschmidt was later in that draft, so he probably wasn't even drafted in the BDL. Let me see if I can find. I want to see it was round five. Let's see if I'm right. And that's that shocks me because Trout not only was a first rounder, but he hit and he dominated the ACL. I think he hit near 400. Yeah, I'm just trying to find. I remember he was a late pick. Uh, so he he was in the 2009 MLB draft, right? Yeah. Okay, so that would put him in our 2010 draft. And mm-hmm. there were five rounds in that draft. Let's see if my memory is right. It would be sick if it is. Yep. Baltimore Epidemic picked him round five wow. in between Luis Valbuena and Rich Hill. So, yeah, Rich Hill. Wow. Yeah. That before the Rich Hill was good. Went, the guys that went before him, Johnny picked Mickey Story, Ryan Streeby, Blake Hawksworth, John Eli. I, I selected Slate Heathcott four picks before Mike Trout. Wow. So, <laughs> Slate Heathcott of the Yankees. In hindsight, I like that one back. Uh, so this was january 2010 i want to see if i can find that trade and this reflects the amount of information that's out there now versus then it's exploded okay matt what what other insights can you give us about this about this draft class yeah i think mike raised a good point about evaluating international players as as the information has become more prevalent in cyberspace everybody seems to know more about these guys and desire drafting these guys more and more um to the point where there's really no values anymore. You can't get a good value on a 16-year-old in one of these drafts anymore. And I contrast that with my first draft in this league was 2018. Um, and I drafted Wander Franco high in the second round. And at the time, I, I was thinking, did I overdraft him? I mean, nobody else is taking any of these international free agents. Like, am I, am I wrong with this evaluation? Um, but then... Then then the following season, I traded Franco for Mike Clevenger. And since then, yeah, these guys have been shoved up the board. You know, your, your Marco Lucianos and those types of players. I mean, you don't get values on these guys anymore in any league, in any format. Well, um, Mike, any, any other overall impressions um, uh, from you? How did you like your draft? Well, to be honest, my draft was really one guy. Um, you know, I, I picked two based on a trade I made the middle of last season. Uh, I was kind of hoping to find a way to get near the top of the draft, and that worked out really well. Uh, I got Austin Martin, the Jays, uh, right. who people just seem so in love with. And I never get any of the Jays' prospects. I'm still kicking myself for not drafting Vladdy back in the day. So, you know, to have an opportunity to get one of my own guys is kind of nice. Uh, the, the reports on him are, are really good with the bat. Uh, they're still not sure where he's going to play defensively. I'm sure Matt probably has a better feel for that. Um, it, it seems like the outfield is probably in his future. I would like for him to stay in the infield. Perhaps Matt's got some perspective on that, but that seems to be where he's going to land. Matt, do you have a thought on that? Um, yeah, the Blue Jays are making an effort to develop him at shortstop this spring. Um, you know, it's. It, I guess the, the hesitation I would have there is that he played center field for his college team, and there's – you know, the issue that comes up from time to time with scouts is throwing accuracy. So when you add those things together, plus the strong makeup of the Blue Jays infield group right now, yeah. to me, I would say center field is probably a best case. Yeah. How long do you think before he's in the majors if he's an outfielder, as opposed to if he's a shortstop? Um, I think they would worry about developing his bat, and then just before calling him up, they would worry about the position. So I would say... Early 2023 or okay. 2022 is probably a uh, distinct possibility Very good. if he hits. Well, Matt, um, again, we appreciate you joining us. But before, before we let you go, um, 
so your, your, your club, the, the, the Cardinals coming off, of course, uh, BDL championship, just, just two seasons back now. How do you think that, uh, that you're positioned for, for 2021? Oh, pretty well. I mean, I'm trying to safeguard against some of the, some of the irregularities of, of last year where the, you know, the pitchers throw, you know, 50 innings. So it's, uh, it's going to be a real challenge this year, I think, to get the desired pitching results based on the strange year we're coming off of. Right. Um, but overall, I mean, if Jordan Alvarez stays healthy, <laughs> it, should, it should be okay. Well, Matt, we appreciate you joining us. Oh, Scotty, um, Scotty, one more thing. We always ask yes. our guests the same question at the end of every interview. You're right. A BDL You're finals right. pick. Finals pick. We well, need your, yeah. need your championship prediction. What you got? Well, whoever it is, it's going to come from the East. It's going to be yeah, you're right about that. It's going to be uh, it's going to be Carolina, Rockland, no. or Nor- or NorCal. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, you know the the East has always been so strong in the BDL. I, I the Generals, um, of course, used to compete in the old East, um, along with the with the Bulldogs and the Berserkers and. Um, uh, it, it was it was dynamite from nearly from top to bottom most years then too, uh, and and nothing really has changed even after we sort of realigned uh, the clubs in the league and kind of shifted things around several years back. And I don't know I don't know what it is about the East. It is always just really kind of the cream of the crop. I'm cursed. That's what it is, Scott. <laughs> it's a bit more complicated than that. <laughs> is it? It might it might be something like the old AL East where it was. You know, the Yankees and Red Sox were always trying to outgun each other. And then the other teams in the division felt like they had to step it up as well, just because of that dynamic. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I actually I sort of miss being in the East. Uh, I'll trade with you. I can trade spot. Yeah, I was about to say I can trade spot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> only, <laughs> oh, uh, only in name. I'll, I'll take my automatic playoff berth. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I heard I the like... Chiefs are going to be contenders this year. And I heard this from somebody. <laughs> Can't remember who that was. And I like um, I like the direction Gray's view is headed in. I like, you know, Chris always makes good moves with Malibu. I think they'll be good. You know, I don't know the other, the Pacific Coast teams quite as well. I don't know, maybe you guys have a better handle on them. Yeah, well, no one cares. <laughs> I think the Cramps right now have to be kind of co-favorites on that end of the bracket after that trade, right? Now, you, you, Mike, you realize that we get to take credit for the fact that the Cramps are now a contender in the BDL. Yeah, because we, we talk to them and he instantly becomes good. That's not a coincidence. Well, not a, but on the very last show, one of our direct questions was, why haven't you won a title in six years? Yep. And then, boom. So Yeah. Yes, so perhaps we should end this interview with asking Matt, how come your team hasn't sucked since you got here? You know, perhaps you could work on that, just like Brian worked on making his team better. Uh, but don't you think it's time for a rebuild, Matt? Yeah. Like now? <laughs> You're getting kind of long in the tooth there, man. <laughs> Keep getting old. Keep getting old. Uh, Actually, they're not. That's the problem. <laughs> I wish his team was getting old. Hey, Jay, Charlie, the sun will set on Charlie Blackman any day now. Yeah, well, that's one. <laughs> unfortunately if the rest of your roster doesn't have the same problem <laughs> but uh the problem with our division is you know we, we have we have build that never rebuilds we have my team that never rebuilds matt seems to be cut from the same cloth as us that his team's never going to rebuild and kevin's team i think they would have been contenders this year and he probably looked at the division and said you know what, maybe I'm better off taking a small step back and get a, a little younger, hence the trade of Springer a couple of days ago, uh, just to be really ready to make his move probably in a year or two. Um, mm-hmm. the, 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 the division is just, it's ridiculous. It really is. You know, I talk about this all the time, but it just seems so unfair to have those four teams in one division. But <laughs> Not just me crying, but it... it, it, it you are crying. I am. I am. If we get a regular uh, season again this year, we're going to have 400 game winners. So, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, one more quick question since we got you on, Matt. For the 2020 draft, which seemed to be like a real 
you know, dark spot for a lot of clubs drafting just because there really wasn't, you know, a full college season. Is the 2021 draft going to be any different? Um, it's it, the, the talent, the base talent level is much higher. So this is like, if you put it on a scouting scale, um, where 50 is average, I think I would, the 2021 draft is shaping up to be at least a 60. It's, okay. it's, you know, some of the college hitters are not established yet, but as those guys establish themselves this spring, I think we're going to see this draft go down as, as being one of the better ones in recent years. Are they going to play a full college season this year? Yeah, I mean, they're making some modifications to the schedule. Some conferences are. But, yes, the goal is to get as close as possible to a regular season. Oh, that's good. That's good, then. Well, Matt, we really appreciate you getting inside with us today here on the Inside Pod. Uh, you're welcome back anytime, and we appreciate it very much. Thanks, guys. Good to talk. Matt, thanks so much for joining the show today. Um, really cool insight. We are we're, we're, we're grateful to have you in the league um, and uh, to have you around to, to come on and provide that kind of uh, analysis for, for what we do here is, is, is really cool. So uh, thanks for carving out a few minutes of your time today. And, and Mike, uh, uh, we are rounding the corner uh, toward the start of the 2021 major league season fingers crossed we hope <laughs> if nothing gets in the way uh but right right now we we are we're headed headed that way so uh we will see you guys again really soon uh for a season preview installment of the inside pod and mike um stay warm up there buddy i'll try my best